to Anne, the platform for multi-sport age group athletes to showcase their journeys.
Newcastle University and the shoulder injury made her have a rethink about changing the sport. Uh, and funnily enough, she was coached by um, Sarah Harding, who was on episode six at Netball. It's a small world. And she grew up watching her mum, Maria, Maria Powell, race around the world, um, who herself is a successful age group. Um, and the family used to have training camps in Lanzarote. Um, so she was inspired by her mum to take up the sport, but she really didn't want to step on her mum's toes. So I guess it was inevitable that she was going to find a way into multi-sport at some point. Since taking up the sport and qualifying to represent GB, uh, Megan's had a whole host of success. And this includes first in the 25 to 29 Sprint Duathlon Championships this year in Punta Umbria. And she was second in the 20 to 24, third female overall in the Sprint Duathlon Championships in 2009 at Targu Mures. She was also second in the 2024 Standard World Championship, 2019 in Pontevedra and 2018 in Finn. So she's got a, a great palmares um, and she fits in her medical studying around her training, or is it the other way around? Fits in her training around her medical studying, probably. But we've had a fantastic chat, very knowledgeable, um, very dedicated, uh, and I hope you enjoy. I was on amp. Um, thanks for coming on and agreeing to do this and sharing, sharing your story with everybody. Uh, much appreciated. You're welcome. So, um, how's lockdown been for you? So whereabouts are you in in the country? So I'm in London. Um, I'm a studying nurse, so like I make up from like full time now for my family. Um, so I'm in the southwest London. Right. Yeah. Cool. And you're studying to become a doctor. Exciting, exciting times. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. Obviously, you're going to apply for pilot as well. There's yeah. so much of things to consider and like make sure um, what's really happening when I start work. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, really looking forward to it. I'm, I've been at uni for eight years now. Wow. So it's, like, <laughs> That's a long time.
fantastic, fantastic. Okay, so I think we should start at the beginning. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, your sporting, sporting events of, of childhood, and um, yeah, just take it from there up to age group, really. How you got okay. into it? Yeah, so I believe. Yeah, weird, weird. I was just... Yeah. Right. I was just going to say, you didn't really have much chance not getting into triathlon with that background and your boyfriend. It, it was, it's as almost if the sporting world was conspiring against you to get into multi-sport. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great. I absolutely love it. And I love the sport. So that's the only other sport I really want to 
No. So what was the bike that your mum bought you for your 21st birthday? really good really good so obviously you knew all about age group I don't have to ask you the question of how you got into age group because that was a that was a given wasn't it with your mum's your mum's history and background um at what so from from starting and getting into cycling and obviously you did the running um what was the first race that you entered and how did that come about I'm 
sign sort of, if I was just following the person in front of me, and I was like, oh, crap, that's me. Um, so I remember, yeah, doing that on his first lap, first lap of swim, in the bike, and then the rolling lap was up, and I was like, oh, it was God's problem then, and it was, it was really, really nice experience, my mum came and watched, uh, I think she might have raced earlier in the day in a Mundial event, but she never came and watched, um, and that was my first big bad swim, I remember it was, and then, yeah, from there we then did like performances, and... So what is the books, races, is that part, I know you said it's university, what? What was the, um, was it Newcastle or was it when you moved to London? It was when I moved to London. Right, yeah. so right. So I, um, somewhere between there and even down to London is when I got my bike and I started following my next rolling lap and then the bike. And then that September, I started my five years after I got my license in London. And I was that first year when I did my first lap around my first bike in London. Right. And is the training regime at... Uh, the university club, the books, is it is it good? Is it has it helped? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first year I was there, it, it's quite a fun, relaxed atmosphere. It's not, it's definitely not like the rowing program I went to the other side at Newcastle. But it was a good course. It was very much student led, and people who were experienced from it during their years. We were lucky that we had really good access to the pool, which was incredible because there's no um, wild water around there. Luckily, there was always obviously cycling. And Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I mean, all the experience and knowledge that she'd bring to that would uh, would be massive for, for a university club, you know. Um, yeah, it'd be yeah. invaluable, really. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And it's great for it to give give back. Does she coach generally at a club herself? Yeah, so she is, she is a level two um, coach, so she coaches um, the Bristol Olympic Jogging Club. Right. Um, she does a lot of the junior section. Um, so, yeah, she, she's really, really enjoys coaching. She coaches So on that, from a from a, a coaching point of view, what sort of coaching regime do you do you do from? Say we take obviously this year is not a not an ordinary year, but if if we revert back to two thousand nineteen, how does your year pan out? Obviously you've got your A races, but how does the plan um, work out for you? What does your your coach set you up? Then I'll add in my university race. 
So what's your favourite distance? Good. Well, it's good to keep your options open. Any any plans on long distance? No. <laughs> oh, that was a that was a cate categoric no there. <laughs>
just really get to me is sitting back with the long bikes in between. I mean, just having the time to do it doesn't really fit in with my life yeah. at the moment. Sure. I mean, I'd like to say I'm a talker, mm. but I quite like the fact that, yeah, you can, you can be a bit more intuitive and sharp, and I do like the intensity, so I don't want to push the baby on or order it stuff. Yeah. So. yeah. Good, good. And what's your favourite part of the whole process? Well, just uh, from from start to finish, from yeah. Um. Uh, well, I, I I love I love the race as a whole because when you train, yes, you might do the odd block sessions, but you never really get the whole start to finish racing experience. And I love the Fuji Duathlon. I love that first run when we had the fresh legs, and then the intra- the transition part. I think is just a whole other element, which is quite really cool to simulate in training. And then you go onto the bike and you're trying to recover and get a good bike um, going. And then before you know it, it's time to get off the bike, there's that final run and you're trying to change your shoes over as quickly as possible. And then the final run, you're just completely zapped and you've just got to give it all you can. So I think just the whole event of racing, I absolutely love. And as I've always been so hard. But I love training, I love doing the bike rides, I love running, I love the odd swim. But when you put it all together, that's my absolute favourite part for me. That's why I love racing. Um, hints and tips for anybody listening who's new to the sport or multi-sport as a whole or um, who wants to get into age group racing either duathlon or triathlon Have a look at the qualifiers and have a look at where else is going to be racing there and whether you're likely to get that qualifier spot in the 
great great tips great you know it's it's so true doing your doing your research on the competitions always a good always a good one where you can choose your races then <laughs> to see if you've got a, a chance or not yeah i know it's definitely the way definitely the way i look at it um when i'm trying to qualify yeah, yeah wise wise words there megan wise words um what's your favorite piece of kit Again, great. Uh, it is a great piece of kit. What turbo have you got? Or just got, did you say? Um, I just got a Yahoo um, Oh, nice. Yep. So they're the cheaper one. They have really good reviews. Yep. Basically silent. My direct drive one was um, annoying the neighbours. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it just feels like you're out on the road. Absolutely love it. Yeah. And are you linked up to any programmes? So cool. <laughs> that's that's so cool. Yeah, because it's so much more than a virtual reality game as as you said. It's like you say, it's just it's got everything you need. You know, I've, I've been on it quite a bit myself uh, for a few years, and it, it's just, you say to people, and say, oh, I'd rather ride outside. Well, yeah, I'd rather ride outside as well. Um, weather being right and traffic conditions and everything else, but, but for you, being in London, it's a no-brainer, isn't it, really? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just time more than money. Time is for every rider. And, I mean, I've been flying virtual marathons too from my back garden. Yeah. <laughs> and set a time to do it and try and beat that time. Thank you for coming back on and get, digging me out of a hole. Um, I don't know what happened, but anyway, we'll carry on from where we left off, and I think that was uh, where the the podcast finished. Um, and I think the next question was going to be your long and short term goals for the future. 
Yeah, so obviously at the moment, um, short-term goals are quite difficult because I don't really know what next year's going to bring. Um, I'm in my final year of my course and my plan was to get one good summer racing in before graduating as a doctor next year. Hopefully I might still be able to get some races in. Um, I've qualified for both European and World Duathlon and World Triathlon Championships next year. So if those can take place and fit in with my life, then I'd quite like to do those and obviously try and do do well. Um, and yeah, any, I mean, any racing I can get in prior to starting work could be great. And then in the long term, I think I've got two very difficult years ahead, uh, my first two years as a doctor, where I think I will have to kind of damp down a bit and maybe do some more kind of long distance, less intensity, um, but just kind of stay generally fit and maybe do a few races. But then I want to take a year out after that before I start specialty training and maybe do full uh, duathlon full time for a year and yeah. um, potentially go over to France and do some um, racing in their like professional league over there would be quite cool. Um, and yeah, just have a whole year of racing before I start to focus back on my career again would be kind of the long term goal. Um, but we'll see what happens. Good, good. Well, it's good to have both short-term and long-term goals, even though we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, it just keeps us motivated and going, doesn't it? Been a couple of charities. Do you want to explain a little bit about those? Yeah, so I um, I work with um, Beat, which is the UK's uh, largest eating disorder charity. Um, and I started getting involved with them uh, a couple of years ago now. And so I kind of help run the university um, kind of sector of it. And it's a charity quite close to me because I've had a few family members quite seriously affected by eating disorders. And I've suffered with my own disordered eater, eating patterns in the past and probably a bit of red S in, in hindsight, which is relative energy deficiency in sport. And so I'm quite passionate about kind of raising awareness, especially university students who um, can be quite a stressful time. And if you're someone who's prone to kind of eating disorders or using food as a way to kind of control your emotions and everything going on, um, it's nice to be able to, be able to support people. I know a lot of families, carers, mums, brothers, sisters can struggle quite a lot with um, how to cope if they've got a family member with an eating disorder. So I'm quite passionate about raising awareness about support groups and that sort of thing. And in terms of sports, um, I'm quite passionate about, I think there's now, um, there's been kind of been a big increase in awareness about eating disorders in sports. And whether it be an actual formal eating disorder or this red S, so it's, kind of not really realising that your energy demands are kind of fitting your training balance and everything else going on with your life. A lot of people can kind of, um, not necessarily intentionally, but end up losing weight. Um, it can impact your metabolic health, your bone health, pick up stress fractures, low in energy, low in moods. And whether that be intentional or unintentional, I think it's really important to kind of raise awareness about the importance of fueling your exercise and your training properly. Um, and making sure that you're recovering well to kind of increase both your health as an athlete but also just your general health and well-being long term so um, yeah. yeah both athletic point of view is is that really common then I mean I think it's very common especially in endurance sports and we're hearing a lot of stories of kind of professional athletes elite athletes but also age group athletes coming forwards at the moment where they've either had a formal eating disorder or they've kind of got into kind of slipped into this red s sort of thing and i think 
in a sport where for a long time people thought lighter equals faster, we've now realised that that's not necessarily true. And especially in females, um, if as soon as you start losing your period because you're not eating enough, that is a really bad sign of things to come, things like fractures, injuries. Um, and so, yeah, it's very common. And I think there's been a lot more said at the moment. So Train Brave is a great initiative set up um, which talks all about eating disorders and disordered eating in sports. And I highly recommend all endurance athletes have a look. And it really opened up my eyes to how much I really need to fuel and focus on recovery and the right sort of foods you're eating. But also your relationship with food. I don't think it should be as strict as we often, some people are. And it's just really important to have a nice balance, both in your training, both what you're eating, in order to just be healthy as an athlete and healthy as, as a human being, really. Yeah. Healthy lifestyle all around, eh? Yeah. So where can um, the listeners... Um, if you just Google it, it'll come up. Yeah. Um, there's also got um, Twitter pages, yeah. Instagram pages. So it's um, one particular dietitian I know kind of associated with it is Renee McGregor, who is awesome. I've been to a few of her talks, and I highly recommend following her on Instagram. She's just so knowledgeable. She's a specific um, eating disorders in sports kind of dietitian, okay. and she's very so knowledgeable about all these things and um, there's lots of resources on the website lots of athlete stories lots of information about red s and uh, links to support if you feel like that that might be something that you might be having issues with um then it's definitely worth reading a bit more about it and making yourself aware um yeah definitely. your professional career going forward what does that entail what are you uh, hoping to do so my end goal is I really, I think that I want to become a GP. Um, I'm really interested in kind of the holistic approach to medicine. I like not just their kind of medical side, but people's social lives, what they're doing, exercise, food, and um, that sort of thing. And I think general practice gives you a really nice um, ground to be able to discuss all those things with people. I'm also really passionate about public health and getting people active and moving and also both kind of people who are doing who need to be more active but also people who are maybe too active at the moment and um i think hopefully in that sort of role um i'll be able to help all sorts of people out i'm actually currently on a general practice placement at the moment um, i've been there for six weeks now and i absolutely love it and every yeah. day i come home and I'm, I'm so i'm so happy there so i'm um so i'm sat in at a, a local gp practice and I am involved because I'm now in my final year. I get a little bit more responsibility. Um, it's quite a lot of telephone calls at the moment, but I quite often kind of start and leave the calls. Um, people with all sorts of um, issues, and we decide whether they need to come into the surgery or not, or if we can um, kind of deal with their problems over the phone. Um, if a patient comes into the practice, I get to see them first, um, take a history, examine them, and then I present to the GP I'm with, and we discuss management going forwards. So I do that kind of nine to five pretty much every day at the moment. Completely unpaid, part of my learning, but it's it's really great. And it's the, the satisfaction I get from helping people. I just know that this is the sort of career I, I definitely want to go into. It's been a long old slog. I mean, I've been at uni for eight years now. <laughs> and to become a GP, it's going to be another six years from when I start next August. Right. So. At least I start getting paid next August, which yeah. is which is always good. That'd be good. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I have two years of foundation training, and then four years of specialty training to become a GP. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. So you only, although you've been doing it eight years, you've still got quite a long way to go, eh? 
Yeah, it's a long, it's a long old pathway, but I think what's quite nice about medicine is it's quite defined um, pro- career progression. So you have your top end goal, and you are as as of next August, I am a doctor, but you are at the bottom of the pile, and you're sure. just working your way up to where you want to be. You're still seeing patients. You're getting paid a salary. You are a doctor. It's just various years that you have to tick off and experiences that you have to get to kind of get to that end position, really. Cool. Well, best of luck with that. And uh, I hope it all goes well. And we'll be keeping an eye out, not only in your in your athletic ability and, and um, tasks and ventures and, you know, also how you're getting on medically as well. So that's, that's really cool. Um, I believe you had a race at the weekend. I did, yes. Ah, I, so uh, you're one of the lucky ones of this year, of 2020. So do you want to tell us a little bit how it went? Because we're all envious, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So I raced um, a standard distance duathlon at Hobie Castle last weekend. Um, it was really great. Um, I haven't done a standard distance duathlon, I think, since last year now. And I kind of went into it knowing it would be quite hilly, um, knowing it would be a bit undulating. But I... Um, yeah, the course is amazing, amazing 10k off-road, which is quite a nice thing, quite common in age group racing, you get these multi-lap, quite boring courses, but mm. this was was really nice, um, completely off-road though, which was fun, uh, you had to pace yourself quite quite well, um, the bike was 40k, um, rolling, there was never a flat part on the bike, which was also interesting, unfortunately on my way out on the bike, I managed to lose all of my nutrition, oh. so I had to I had two gels strapped to my top bar and they both came off over these speed bumps coming out of transition. Mm. And only when I looked down to go and grab my first gel, I thought, oh, this is, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Um, I just had a bottle of water on the bike, um, but I thought, oh, I'm feeling okay, so hopefully it'll be all right. Um, and I was like, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It went on to my last 5k run and I was, I was pretty knackered. Mm. Um, so it wasn't my best run off the bike, um, but I finished third overall in the end. Um, I was only two minutes off, off first. It was quite close. I actually thought I was second, but frustratingly, um, because we were staggered times, I didn't realise there was a lady oh, behind yeah, yeah. me who had caught up a minute on me, which was a bit frustrating. Mm. But I had the fastest bike time and fastest transition, so I was really happy with that. Yeah. And it was just nice to be out racing. I yeah. think I did it to enjoy it really position was a bonus um it's just nice to race on a a, a fun a beautiful course in the countryside so mm. yeah it was good and how was it all set up with covid then was what were the precautions yeah so you had to fill out uh, questionnaires prior to racing and you're only allowed one spectator um, to come and watch you as well who also had to fill out a form you got temperature scanned when you came in and you were put in this kind of holding pen before you could go into the main event village and you had to be there at a set time according to your wave. So my race wasn't actually till 1pm, there was racing all morning. So I was only allowed to arrive at a specific time. And then it was all very socially distanced as you went through and into the transition. And there was kind of a flow, so you couldn't go backwards back to your car. You had to have everything ready to go. Right. Went into, got your all your registration bits, then into transition. Um, you racked your bike, they were more spread out than usual, which is quite nice. Mm. Um, and then went straight from there to the start. So, And then we all set off um, kind of a rolling start every 10 seconds or so. Right. Yeah. So those were the kind of main precautions. Um, yeah, it was good. I mean, it was quite a busy event. I have said to them, I think you tried to squeeze too many races mm. in one day. How many was taking part? So there were... 
76 in the duathlon race. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, pretty big field, and we were all really nicely spread out. I wouldn't even realise there were 76 there. And then there were a few other races kind of that morning. I think there was a middle-distance triathlon, Olympic triathlon. I have to say, I did not envy the triathletes. The water was 12 degrees. Wow. And I thought, wow, I would not want to be swimming in that. Yeah, I've been watching the um, the Outlaw X people that have done that on, on Instagram, and they were they were talking about the temperature of the water. It had been reduced um, to 750, yeah. if, you'd, if you'd seen that. So. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, yeah I, um, I think a similar thing happened at Heaver, but I think they went down to one k in the end for the middle distance. But I'm not surprised they came out looking freezing, yeah. and I thought I'm so glad I'm a duathlete. <laughs> yeah, loved you off on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. I didn't have cold feet. I could have my socks on throughout the whole time. Yeah. Um, it was perfect duathlon temperature. It was yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, well, we're used to the winter when we're doing duathlons, aren't we? So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this this was like tropical. It was yeah, it was it was a proper winter weather for Jaffa. Yeah, brilliant. Well, well done, well done. Um, so that's it. Is it for the year? No more, no more races. Well, so in November we should hopefully, subject to COVID, have Bucks um, Duathlon at right. Castle Coombs on the 22nd of November. Okay. Um, I'm hoping it should be able to take place. It's organised by DB Max, who have been doing racing all the way through the summer, some really good kind of socially distanced time trial mm. races. So I'm hoping it will take place. So my plan is to kind of move on because it's a short, it's a two-mile run 10 mile bike two mile run right. so it's quite kind of short yeah. fast and furious um so my plan is to kind of cut cut down my distance and kind of increase the intensity yeah. over the next few weeks i'm quite busy with uni um things so actually if yeah. i can get the most time efficient yeah, yeah. um uh, strenuous sessions in that would be great yeah, and build towards that and then have some time off after that yeah. before whatever next year holds really good good Right, thank you very much. I think we'll, uh, it's a good place to end it. And um, yep. thank you once again for coming back on and rescuing, <laughs> rescuing Amp, the podcast. That's all right. <laughs> uh, take thank care. You. Cheers. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was a great insight into how Megan juggles her career to be a doctor and fit in multi-sport training and racing into a busy schedule, as well as a charity work, which is close to her heart. And if you'd like to know more about either charity, you can find Train Brave on Instagram at train underscore brave and also on the internet at trainbrave.org and you can find Beat Eating Disorders um, on Instagram at eating disorders underscore voice and the webpage is beateatingdisorders.org.uk. And that's it for another episode. You've been listening to me, Richard Conway, at AMP. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at agegroupmultisportpodcast at gmail.com and you can follow us on Instagram at AMP underscore 67, on Facebook at AMPGB and Twitter at agegroupmultisportpodcast. And we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating, a review or a comment and subscribe to our podcast. And remember, stay safe, keep training and love the process.